Are you sick of hearing you don't have enough experience to get work? Visit iPath.com to get the first part of our auto damage certification for free. Hello and welcome to the Independent Adjuster Podcast by IAPath. My name is Chris Stanley, and we're here to help you figure out how to get work in this industry and ultimately how to claim your life. Hey everybody, this is Max Olson and you are listening to the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Today we're going to talk a little bit about March. It was a really prolific month for severe weather and we're also going to take a look into what April might hold for us. So here's the question. How do independent adjusters and appraisers like us who can't hide behind corporate logos, processes and profits, who are spending our own money and reputation? How do we work in a way that lets us get work, assignments, deployments, and more income without wasting time or money in this world of insurance while we stand out in the crowd? That is the question, and this podcast will help guide you to the answers. My name is Chris Stanley, and this is the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Join myself and other independents on the path to non-corporate success in the insurance industry. We are IAs. All right, guys, so let's get into it. Uh, March was a really active month as far as severe weather goes in the southern states and the southeastern states. And, you know, March can be kind of a hit or miss month. And I'd say usually it's actually a miss um, it's not uncommon to see, you know, a severe weather event or two, primarily in those southeastern states, but to have multiple events week after week, multiple high-end events is pretty rare. Usually March is pretty calm. We might get our first taste of severe weather, but that was not the case this year. Um, the first event we're going to talk about is the March 12th through 13th period. We saw a few severe weather events before that, some wind and hail in Texas and whatnot. Um, even Minnesota got in on some of the action. But March 12th, we had supercells in the Texas Panhandle. It was kind of a day before the day type setup. And then the next day was a really big severe weather outbreak all throughout the Texas Panhandle from Lubbock up towards Amarillo. And uh, we actually ended up seeing a very large tornado south of Amarillo near the town of Happy, Texas. Uh, we intercepted this from Interstate 27 and we kind of watched it come up from the southwest and even dove west towards it a little bit to get closer. Uh, it was a big what we call wedged shaped tornado, which means it's wider than it is tall. And then the tornado crossed Interstate 27 as a large wedge tornado, probably strong to maybe even violent, but there's just not much out there to hit. The thing that is wrong with the Fujita scale, it's not wrong, but it's just something that we can't really control, is um, we can only measure a tornado if it hits something. And out there in West Texas, there's not a lot of things for it to hit. Of course, you know, if we have a mobile Doppler radar nearby, um, we might be able to get a better picture of the wind, but that is very rare. Those mobile Dopplers are not always available to us or they're not always on the right storm. So most of the time we're just relying on the tornado to hit something for us to tell how strong it actually was. And if it hits nothing, even if it was an EF5, if it hits absolutely nothing, it's going to be rated as an EF0 or an EFU, which means EF unknown or undefined, something like that. 
Um, so this tornado was rated in EF2, was probably stronger than that. And then another tornado developed a little later near the Palo Duro Canyon. And uh, we actually caught video of it hurling trailers. You know, people go and camp at the Palo Duro Canyon. This was a Saturday. It was a relatively nice weekend before these storms moved through. So people were out camping in that canyon. And um, uh, we saw a camper get hurled into the canyon. There were people uh, that were trapped in the canyon because of the flash flooding and the hail. It was one heck of an event. And then we led into uh, March 17th, which was a high risk in the southeastern states. There were a lot of tornadoes, I think 60 plus tornadoes. And we decided not to chase that setup. We decided to chase um, kind of the lower end potential that was closer to home. Uh, because we just really didn't feel like venturing out that far this, this early in the season. We're trying to kind of hedge our bets and wait to go out to uh, you know the southeastern states maybe for a more potent setup, even though this setup was quite impressive. Um, the tornadoes on this one were a bit weaker. They were kind of in that EF1 to EF2 category. Um, but then about a week later on March 25th, we had another setup in that same area in southeastern states. And when I say southeastern states, we're talking you know Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, and um, this was a similar setup uh, in the sense that it was a high risk issued by the Storm Prediction Center. Uh, a few differences in the kinematic and thermodynamic profiles, but ultimately a, a potent setup. And this one verified with those strong long track, uh, even violent long track tornadoes. There weren't as many tornado reports. Um, you know, the, the week prior, like I said, March 17th, we had 60 plus tornado reports. But um, of the 30 or so tornadoes that happened on March 25th, multiple of them were strong, long track tornadoes, even violent tornadoes. And we intercepted a, uh, another wedge tornado near um, Centerville. Actually, we intercepted it west of Greensboro, but it did uh, quite a bit of damage near the town of Centerville. Um, ended up going all the way to the interstate that runs just south of Birmingham. And uh, that tornado went for 80 plus miles. Can you imagine that? A tornado, an EF3 tornado starting at one point and lasting for 80 miles. And it had a peak width of 1.3 miles wide. That's just, that's just amazing to fathom that the atmosphere can sustain that type of tornado for that long. Um, but, you know, that's not even the most prolific. There's uh, seven other tornadoes or six other tornadoes that are longer track than that in Alabama state history. So um, it was up there, but it wasn't it wasn't the peak as far as long track tornadoes. But so anyways, March aside, let's get into April because, you know, that's the past. Now we're looking into April. We haven't had that big hailstorm that has, you know, called all the adjusters to one spot. We've had a few and some of them in, you know, reasonably populated areas, but um, you know, there hasn't been that big Dallas hailstorm, right? And April, I'm, I'm thinking back to April 2016. It was, I believe it was April 11th, 2016. We had a major hailstorm. It was a supercell that developed out near Wichita Falls, Texas and tracked its way kind of east, southeast into the uh, Dallas metro area. And this thing was a monster. It produced hail up to the size of grapefruits. This was one of those storms where hailstones were literally coming through people's roofs. Um, so that's that's crazy. And it was on a setup that was a little bit more marginal. It wasn't a 
severe weather outbreak. It wasn't hyped as that. It wasn't a tornado outbreak. It was just kind of um, a day where you had enough of everything. And kind of one of the things that can really make a day spark up to life is um, excessive amounts of what we call CAPE. That stands for convective available potential energy. And that's basically just the energy or the juice in the atmosphere that can really just allow storms to blow up for a lack of better terms. And, um, you, you can see more marginal days where you don't have the wind profiles that would favor a giant severe weather or tornado outbreak, but they're just good enough. The wind profiles are just good enough to sustain a supercell thunderstorm, which again is a storm with a rotating updraft. It sustains for a long time because it ventilates its precipitation. Go back and listen to the episode where we talk about hailstorms a few weeks back if you want to get a little deeper into that, but it'll sustain a supercell thunderstorm, but you have all this cake and the storm is able to just take that all in and really churn out some impressive hailstones. And um, the setup that happened back in April of 2016 is even a little reminiscent of a setup that we have coming uh, here this upcoming Friday. This episode is being recorded on April 8th, and tomorrow, April 9th, there's a setup in Texas that looks somewhat similar to that April 2016 one that I was just referring to. Now, does this mean that there's going to be a prolific hail producer that goes right through a population density? No, <laughs> absolutely not. There's no way to predict that at all. You can have, you know, a major hailstorm, a major supercell that's producing big hail for a long period of time, and it just, just doesn't go over a place that's populated. And obviously that's what we want. We, we aren't wishing for destruction of life and property, but it's nice to know when that might happen. And it's just such a tightrope to walk. The thing I'm kind of getting at here is that you don't always look for the major hyped events. You don't always look for the tornado outbreaks, the severe weather outbreaks. Sometimes it's these setups like April 11th, 2016, or maybe even potentially tomorrow, April 9th, 2021, that you just have enough of the right ingredients. You have a lot of that convective available potential energy, that cape, that juice, that energy in the atmosphere that will be able to be utilized by a storm that goes up and the wind profiles are just enough to sustain a supercell, but nobody's talking on national news about this being a crazy severe weather outbreak. It's just enough of the right ingredients to get a storm going and thriving and pumping out big hail. And basically what it boils down to is once one of these finally gets over a populated area, that's when the work flows in. That's when you all of a sudden have a giant influx of claims. And then sometimes you can have back to back of those events. But ultimately all I'm getting at is always be watching what's happening because it doesn't take much this time of year to get a supercell that can pump out big hail and get you work. Um, as far as looking at the long range forecast, there's definitely nothing indicative of severe weather outbreaks, but I do see quite a bit of potential for maybe some of these kind of lower sleeper events that uh, just kind of sneak up on us. And uh, eventually once you get enough of those, it's going to go over a populated area and there's going to be some work to be done. So keep an eye out guys. I definitely recommend getting that training in. If you have any inkling of trying to deploy for hail, whether it be auto or property, like if you haven't pulled the trigger on getting that training, getting some practice in, uh, now is the time because we have events that are going to be coming up that are going to have work. I mean, 
It happens every year. So if you haven't gotten that training, now is the time. There's a lot of great resources out there. Obviously, you know, here at IAPATH, you can go take the hail course, which is gonna teach you all about inspecting hail damage, you know, scoping the vehicle, writing the estimate. Um, but there's also a bunch of other great resources you can look into. All I'm getting at is that now is the time to make it happen. If you want to deploy this year for any hail, which by the way, guys, like that's the real money maker. You can, you can make great money on hurricanes, but hurricanes are never guaranteed. Hail is always a guarantee. Every single year there's catastrophic hail storms. Some years are worse than others, but there is always going to be work when it comes to hail in the springtime. So anyways, guys, stay safe out there. I hope everybody's having a fantastic year so far. If you haven't checked out over at Adjuster TV, the news segments, you can see some of the video of the events that I was talking about from this past March. And then obviously we'll also do recaps uh, every single month throughout the remainder of the year. As far as severe weather goes, it looks like we'll have some marginal events here and there over the next couple weeks, but so far not seeing anything major as far as, you know, tornado outbreaks, severe weather outbreaks, but that can change at the flip of a switch. So stay tuned to the National Weather Service, the Storm Prediction Center, and we'll try and let you know if anything's coming down the pike here at IAPATH. Thank you guys, stay safe, and have a great rest of your week. Are you dreaming of a career in auto damage, but find yourself not meeting the experience requirements? You can try the first part of our seven part auto damage certification for free. This allows you to dive deep into auto damage training with no strings attached. And if you love it, you can continue on and purchase the full program. With this certification, you gain not just in-depth knowledge and skills, but also an all-access pass to our exclusive community, a full year of mentorship, and yes, get the two to five year experience requirement waived with over 40 firms. Your future in auto damage begins today. Visit iPath.com to start your free trial and discover where iPath can take you. iPath, claim, your life.